This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intricasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund, or the VCF. With me to discuss the topic is Mr. Michael Barish, managing partner of the New York City law firm Barish & McGarry. Mr. Barish, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, David. Mr. Barish's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. Briefly on background, the 9-11 VCF was initially created soon after 9-11, to compensate victims or their families of the attacks and those harmed in debris removal in the immediate aftermath. The VCF made awards through 2004. The James Zadroga 9-11 Health and Compensation Act, initially introduced in 2005, named in honor of the New York policeman who died at age 34 in 06 via exposure at the World Trade Center and signed by President Obama in 2011, essentially reopened or reactivated the VCF to compensate first responders and individuals who later developed 9-11 health problems. In 2015, the Zadroga Act excuse me, was reauthorized by President Obama, extending the fund through December of 2012. Early this month, the current VCF special master announced via Federal Register notice that though the VCF had paid out $4.3 billion to 20,000 victims and families, as of this past August, 6,600 more claims were anticipated. As a result, VCF could run out of money before the fund scheduled close again December 2020. The federal notice seeks public comment on how the remaining funds should be allocated in a fair and equitable manner. Though the 9-11 Commission report did not determine the Saudi Arabian government was involved in the attacks, some 9-11 families, I should note or add, have filed wrongful death litigation against the Saudi government. With me again to discuss the Victim Compensation Fund is Michael Barash. So with that as background or introduction, Michael, let me start with uh, your firm and its 9-11 experience. Where is your firm located and what has been your organization's experience? Well, we're at two, um, uh, two blocks from ground zero. Um, I was actually here on September 11th, uh, like an idiot, watching from my window as people were jumping, thinking I was totally safe. My wife was calling me on the phone, screaming at me to get out of here, and I kept saying to her, don't worry, honey, they're not going to attack 11 Park Place. Uh, little did I know, or anyone else know, that the towers were going to collapse, and uh, by the time I went running down the 18 floors and reached my lobby, my lobby was filled with um, the dust, and I'm one of those people that you've seen pictures of running up down covered in white dust. Thank you, and since then, I've read you've had several employees uh, suffer uh, harmful health effects subsequently. Well, and that's why we take this whole uh, 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund so personally. You're right, David. Um, uh, of the 15 people that were working for me on September 11, 2001, 
seven of them have cancer, and one of them has already passed away from her breast cancer. Uh, it's just horrifying uh, to see personally and firsthand um, exactly what's going on. But we are seeing, we're not just seeing cancers. We're seeing cancers on steroids. We're seeing rare cancers. We're seeing um, very aggressive pulmonary illnesses and people who have multiple cancers. And not a day goes by. Forget the people who used to work for me or still do work for me, but not a day goes by without one of my clients dying. Not a day goes by without 10 to 15 new people in the 9-11 community calling us to say, uh, is my cancer covered? Can you help me get health care? Can you help me get compensation? Uh, it's just overwhelming and staggering. Yes, in fact, I did read in preparation uh, a comment that Mount Sinai is signing off on more than 20 cancer diagnoses related to 9-11 every week. So this this continues. Let me ask some background questions first, and then we'll get into your work and explanation of the VCF. But I, I, I do have to ask this. Um, so part of the problem is, of course, uh, those that work subsequent to the attack on the debris uh, were told by the EPA at the time, led by Christy Todd Whitman, that ground zero air quality was safe. Well, I, that's I, not part of the problem. That's a huge that's part exactly of the problem. Right. Yes, yes. So my question is, what, what, explains, yeah. what explains that massively erroneous um, assessment? It, it just, it's just it's beyond understanding. Well, okay. First of all, let's remember that um, Christine Todd Whitman was not a scientist. Right. She was a political appointee. So someone obviously told her to say that. Who that person is, I have no idea, but I can tell you from some sort of Machiavellian um, point of view, they were desperate to reopen Wall Street, plain and simple. Uh, they wanted to make sure that the 325,000 people who worked below Canal Street had a place to go to work the following Monday. I mean, can you imagine what this would have done to our economy if they had declared Ground Zero to be a super fun site? Mm-hmm. Um, so they and also partly, I think they wanted to show the rest of the world and the terrorists in particular that you didn't beat us. Life here continues to go on just like it always did. We're the, you know, we're the tough New Yorkers, the tough Americans, and nothing could stop us. Well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm only a lawyer, but I can tell you that when electricity was restored to my building four weeks after uh, September 11th, we came back to work because of Christine Todd Whitman's assurances. But you know what? It reeked down here. You could, we called it the smell of death of decomposing bodies. But every time the wind would blow in our direction, um, the smoke would just come right in through the air filters and through our windows, and it reeked. Um, We knew something wasn't right, but we were fooling ourselves, thinking, oh, the EPA must know more than we do. If they say it's safe, it's safe. Can you imagine those poor kids? I mean, my firm now represents uh, 24 kids who went to Stuyvesant High School and Pace University who have cancer. I mean, they're not kids anymore. They're 25-year-old women, 28-year-old men with cancer. 
It's, it's just so heartbreaking. And it's all because our government misled us. To answer your question, why did they do this? I, I can't imagine. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I just gave you my reasons why I think it's possible they misled us, but it really was a terrible thing. Uh, but look, let's also give Congress credit. They did the right thing in 2010, and then the president signed it in 2011 by passing the James Ed Roga Health and Compensation Act. Um, you know, you haven't mentioned this, David, but, you know, uh, Detective Zed Roga, NYPD Detective Jimmy Zed Roga, who died of pulmonary fibrosis in 2006, at least his death ended up meaning something, uh, if anybody's death can mean anything. But when they did the autopsy of uh, Jimmy Zed Roga, they found ground glass in his lungs. They found the, uh, benzene, chromium, lead, uh, all these known carcinogens. The buildings were on fire for 99 days. So it was just a veritable toxic brew. And as I said, when the wind blew in our direction, uh, we were all exposed to these deadly toxins that we didn't realize we were being exposed to. Okay, thank you. Um, so just on background, further background, the Victim Compensation Fund is managed by the Department of Justice. And these are federal uh, funds that were allocated again by the Congress. Let's get into the specifics. So can you provide an overview of your firm's work? I did read uh, that you've represented or advocated for over 40% of all VCF awards, uh, representing over 7,500 clients. So I'm interested if you can just give us an overview of the work that obviously still uh, continues. And I am particularly interested in one specific. What's your sense of the adequacy of these payments or awards? Well, okay, you've asked several questions. Let me start with um, you know, your statistics are basically right. Uh, we're now up to representing 11,000 uh, people in the 9-11 community because, as I said, the phones don't rank, don't stop. And they're certainly not going to stop on December 18, 2020, when the Victim Compensation Fund is statutorily supposed to end. Right. Uh, thankfully, in 2016, Congress extended the, the VCF to the end of 2020. And just as importantly, they extended the health program which provides free health care uh, and medical monitoring for not just the first responders, but for the downtown community as well, who we call survivors. So, um, yeah, I mean, not a day goes by, as I say, without more and more people coming down with cancer or dying. So that's why we're now beginning the lobbying to get Congress to extend the Victim Compensation Fund, because I don't think that uh, people are going to stop getting cancer magically on December 18th, 2020. What do you think? Right, correct. Absolutely, of course, yes. So let me... So, um, just, let, let yeah, me go ahead. You, I, I don't know if I answered your question no, or not. Yes, you did. Thank you. I did ask, what's your sense of the adequacy of these payments? Uh, so, look, in order to, be, uh, to qualify for the Victim Compensation Fund, you must waive your rights to bring a lawsuit against the EPA, against America, against uh, any of the airlines, against the security companies. And I think that's a really smart move because this is, uh, you know, let's face it, at the end of the day, uh, these attacks were brought on by terrorists. They weren't caused by the United States. I mean, our government, our EPA, did a terrible disservice, as I mentioned, uh, by misleading us about the quality of the air. 
But by creating the health program and by creating the victim compensation fund, Congress did a long way of uh, making this up to the 9-11 community. Now, is it significant enough? Well, you might argue that no amount is significant enough. Mm -hmm. But uh, Ken Feinberg made a decision in um, you know, when he was the special master of the first victim compensation fund that uh, the amount of money that he would give anyone who died that day was going to be the same, whether they jumped out of the building, whether they were on the airplane and didn't realize what was going on, uh, whether they were um, one of the firefighters that was crushed and certainly didn't realize that they were about to die an instantaneous death. He said all life is going to be the same with regard to someone's pain and suffering. And under New York law, he made that decision to be $250,000. That's what New York state law generally gave people and uh, what our appellate courts allowed people to get for an instant death. Um, but then people started getting sick. Now remember, when Ken Feinberg was special master, uh, cancer had not yet been linked. But certainly diseases like pulmonary fibrosis had been. So Mr. Feinberg made the same judgment. He said, look, I'm going to give everybody with a fatal disease the same $250,000. I'm going to give people with disabling illnesses 125000 and so on, so forth down the line. Uh, the least serious illnesses got much, much less, as they should. And he also made the decision that people with disabling illnesses should get compensated for their lost income. So someone like me, for instance, if I had a cancer, and I, I'm a lawyer. I could continue to work. I would have no lost income. But a firefighter with lung cancer will lose his career. Mm -hmm. So that person should get a greater reward than someone like me with the same illness. And for the most part, I think that the, the new special master, um, Rupa Bhattacharya, and before her it was Sheila Birnbaum, they've been very consistent with what Mr. Feinberg awarded back in 2001 through 2003. However, unbeknownst to us, at the time when Congress reauthorized the fund in 2015, the rate at which people are getting cancer, the rate at which people are dying of their World Trade Center-linked cancers is off the charts. And for that reason, the current special master has made a decision that she has to ask for comments. At this point, she's only asking for comments, but I know where she's heading, which is to reduce future awards because there simply is not enough money to compensate the people who are in the pipeline now and the people we know are going to be coming down with cancers in the next two years. Mm -hmm. And one of your fact sheets I read stated that only 25% of the 9-11 community has registered. Um, well, that's, with, that's yeah, with the health they, program. Yeah, that's it with the health program. Right. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, for instance, my secretary, she has lymphoma. Knockwood, she is currently, uh, she'll kill me if I say in remission, but she says she's cancer-free right now. Mm -hmm. um, but she waited 11 months to get an appointment at the World Trade Center Health Program at Bellevue Hospital. Then she waited another three months to get certified that her cancer was, in fact, linked to the World Trade Center toxins. Well, uh, I'm now representing, I have thousands of people I represent who are also currently waiting for an appointment at the health program. If the special master begins to reduce 
future awards because people haven't yet been certified. How unfair is that? These people were already harmed once by our federal government when the EPA misled them. They were harmed again when they came down with their cancer. They were harmed a third time now because they're not going to get enough compensation or not get the same awards that other people are getting with the exact same illnesses simply because the World Trade Center Health Program is so overwhelmed that they can't certify people. They can't even give appointments to these people on time. So that's a big reason why so many people have not yet gone in for their appointments. And the uh, World Trade Center Health Program, that's, that's a step in the queue to get you through the VCF process, correct? Well, actually, the two work hand-in-hand. Hand. The health program has to – they will treat you if you have no other health insurance. Uh, you know, but I always tell people, if you're happy with the treatment you're getting at Sloan Kettering or NYU or Columbia Presbyterian, stay with your private doctor. But the health program will pay your co-pays, your out-of-pocket. But if you don't have private health insurance, imagine how wonderful it is to have an organization that will pay every nickel of your health care. I mean, it's really a godsend, and it's preventing a lot of people from filing for bankruptcy. I know you know, you probably know people who've had cancer, and it's bankrupted the family. Absolutely. So this is a godsend. But, you know, the health program works hand-in-hand with the victim fund. So in order to get compensation from the victim compensation fund, you must first get certified by the health program. Not necessarily treated by them, but at least examined by them. You show all your medical records because they rightfully want to make sure that your illness was caused by your exposure. They want to make sure you weren't someone that was just exposed for two days when you were in Jersey City on uh, January 7, 2002. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there are strict parameters here. You had to have been in Lower Manhattan or at the Fresh Hills Landfill or, or at the morgue, and you had to have had enough exposure to the toxins for the health program to link your illness. So I, I'm a big fan of following the rules and making sure all this works. Uh, it's just that it's so frustrating for my clients, many of whom suffer severe PTSD, uh, it's frustrating for them to wait so long just to get an appointment, let alone then me to start the year-to-year-and-a-half process of getting them compensation. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Just to note a few numbers of the 3,000 who died, 9-11, 2,600, slightly more, were at the World Trade Center. But since then, I looked, we're looking at almost 200 firefighters have since passed away from related health compensation uh, complications, rather, and nearly 140 uh, policemen. Let's go to this December 18th, 2020 date, uh, when uh, the VCF is scheduled now uh, to expire. What's the discussion relative to uh, uh, the Congress uh, revisiting this? Well, okay, so there are two different things. One is the, um, you know, first it's uh, Rupa Bhattacharya's uh, submission uh, last or two weeks ago asking for comments. I've already met with the special master and given her my thoughts, um, but she is not in a policy-making position with mm-hmm. regard to extending the fund. She's uh, doing a wonderful job uh, with the Department of Justice to make sure that the uh, Zedroga bill is followed the way Congress uh, enacted it, and part of her mission is to make sure the money that they did earmark lasts 
Um, but as I said, the amount that's uh, the amount that's left over right now, uh, the amount of people who are applying every day, uh, it kind of shows us that it's not going to last. So we have started a grassroots effort to um, to get Congress to do the right thing. It's it's certainly if there was ever a bipartisan issue, David, mm-hmm. this has to fit because these toxins don't care if you're black or if you're white, or if you're a Republican, or you're Democrat, or if you're an old person like me, or a young student at Stuyvesant High School. Um, We're seeing everybody of every age uh, and every ethnicity being affected. Um, So we've started uh, reaching out, but, you know, we're we're only a few weeks before election uh, day, so we don't even know really who to lobby at this point. We're going to know a lot more uh, in December. And, um, you know, we already have 75 um, people in the House who have already co-signed a bill to extend it. Uh, 24 of them are Republicans. That's a wonderful start. We have um, bipartisan support in the Senate as well. Um, And our mission, starting in uh, December, but certainly starting in January, when new congressmen get uh, sworn in, new senators get sworn in, will be to start lobbying. And I don't, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Dave, so many of the people in the 9-11 community have severe PTSD. Um, you know, it, there's such a level of anxiety, first of all, because so many people are looking over their shoulders, um, especially the firefighters and cops I represent, knowing not if I'm going to get cancer, but when. Mm-hmm. And how is my family going to be taken care of? Um, so they're already nervous about that. Then they're worried about the fact that this fund is closing in two years. So they don't know whether to root for an early onset of cancer so that they can make an application or just pray to God that they never get cancer. But if they get cancer the day after this fund expires, they get screwed again. So, you know, that's that kind of uncertainty is just preying on these very vulnerable people who are already a mess. Uh so we're going to be doing a big lobbying effort, and I hope that I can convince or that my lobbyists and union workers that I work with, um, I hope they're going to be able to get find some compassionate people in Congress who realize that the next time there's an attack on America, we better do the right. We, we have to show them that we did a, the right thing for our responders, uh, so that the future responders won't hesitate for a minute. And we'll run into those burning buildings to try to save the rest of us. But if you if you send them a message that hey, you know what, we're not going to help you anymore. Well, what is it, what kind of message does that send our responders for a future disaster? That's something that I really fear. Yes, good point. Good point. I will note that comments relative to the Federal Register notice are due uh, for those interested December th- uh, three. I will say. Uh, and let's relative to reauthorization or a third reauthorization i i am very well aware that uh when the uh the drug bill was finally signed in 11 passed in 10 that that was nearly a 5 year effort and as i recall it got hung up with republicans arguing for bush era tax extensions um so it was not uh the vcf being uh, essentially reauthorized uh, was or reactivated was not, as they would say, 
uh, here in D.C. and Easy Lift. It was actually a multi-year process. I know, but isn't I know that's politics as usual down there. But isn't that just so sad that this can't be a standalone bill that all uh, that people from both sides of the aisle can embrace? Um, you know, every, I love these Republican and Democrats who say, "Oh, I love our first responders. I embrace them. I admire the firefighters." And yet, when it came to voting for the extension, they voted no. Um, so that was a little bit um, hypocritical, but uh, people like John Stewart did a wonderful job yes. calling them out on it. And, uh, you know, look, we eventually got it passed. So I'm very hopeful that we can get it passed and extend it again. I just don't want to see uh, the 9-11 community suffer any more than they're suffering by being worried about, is this thing going to get extended? I could only imagine what it's going to be like as the deadline approaches with people getting cancer and like, they're going to be um, bombarding the gates of the World Trade Center Health Program clinics, demanding to get certification letters. Can you imagine that? I'm not leaving here without a certification letter. I have cancer. You're going to have all these sick people there on wheelchairs, um, you know, on their deathbeds, demanding and refusing to leave. Can you imagine if they have to call the police to uh, get them to leave Bellevue Hospital or uh, whatever clinics exist? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. We shouldn't be treating people like this, especially when our own EPA assured us all that the air was safe. Right. Thank you. Let me, as, as my going out question, I did mention the uh, 9-11 Commission report determining the Saudi Arabian government was not involved. There is some litigation from 9-11 families, uh, civil suits for wrongful death. Can you comment on that? Uh, how to what extent that's uh, going forward, and I'm I'm, I'm certain most people uh, tend to think almost reflexively that the chances for that uh, proving fruitful are limited. Well, you're talking about Chast, of course, right? Yes. Yeah, well, we've we've put uh, most of our clients, anyone who wanted to be involved in the Chast lawsuit, we put them into the lawsuit. But you're right; it's a total crapshoot. But at least. Uh, the Judge Daniels, he's ordered discovery to go forward. So, you know, I know everybody says, oh, it's all about the money when anybody brings a lawsuit. But I submit that for a, a majority of my clients, they want answers. They want to know how in the world did 19 terrorists get the money uh, to have training here, to live here for six months, to have flying lessons? Someone had to pay for that. And was it? the Saudi government or high-up people in the Saudi government? If so, they should pay for it, absolutely. And you know what? If they had nothing to do with it, fine. But then let's at least get some answers. Um, and I think we'll get answers. Does that mean we're ever going to see any money for those who died on 9-11 or in the years that followed? I, I don't know. But I'm certainly going to fight to try to make it happen. Okay. Thank you, Michael. We're uh, at our uh, time boundary, so... I appreciate this overview, again, of the Victim Compensation Fund. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, obviously, next week relative to the election, and certainly as we come up to 1220 uh, and uh, funds under this uh, program for uh, those survivors who've now been diagnosed with any number. Uh, when I looked, the list was 20 types of uh, cancers have been identified. But thank you again, Michael, for your time. Very appreciative. My pleasure, and thanks for following this, Dave. 
You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.